0: The support for this podcast comes from InSinkErator. InSinkErator is the world leader in food waste disposers and holds over 200 patents on fine grinding and quiet technology innovations. Based and assembled here in the United States, InSinkErator produces the popular Badger series and can offer many upgraded disposers, such as a Pro Series built for plumbers and builders to meet the needs of the more demanding customer. Visit InSinkErator.com to learn more.
1: You mentioned earlier, um, you know, you had some really good growth last year um what what maybe in your mind were the big things that helped you know get that big growth in in 2019 any can you put your finger on maybe a couple things that you did differently that that's you know created that
2: Oh absolutely it was 100 percent the work that we had done on our culture and the training uh, that we've invested in our people and if I had to sum up our culture in one word I guess it would be training mm-hmm. and I it uh the morale of uh of our team members i could see a change and especially i'm facilitating these meetings 90% of the time i'll use uh some of my uh top technicians to help fill in to keep the curriculum going when when i'm not around but uh we've we've shown them that we don't just say that training's important we we put our our uh, put that into action by having these training classes every single week. and it, it's consistent. I believe consistency uh, has been a key uh, to that. But culture and
1: training. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. On today's show, you'll be listening to a conversation I had with Tom Spall of TE Spall & Son in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. As you'll hear, Tom was full of great insight. He's taken his family business and added to its legacy by keenly refining its operations these last few years. We talk about a myriad of topics, but what shines through the most, and I think you'll hear it, is Tom's passion for training. That passion is infused to East & Sons' culture, creating a successful company, but also a company where people want to work. Let's take a listen. I hope you enjoy. All right, Tom. Well, hey, I cannot thank you enough for your time, especially considering how busy I'm sure you are. Um, could you uh, introduce yourself to those listening, uh, specifically, you know, what's your name, company name, and where you're located?
2: Uh, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me here today. Uh, my name is Tom Spall I'm with T E Spall and Sons HVAC and Plumbing, and we're in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, corner of uh, northeastern corner of the state. We're approximately 150 miles from Philadelphia, 150 miles from New York City.
1: Very good. And how many employees do you have on your team? Uh, we have 27 team members. Great, great, and um, just you know, for those that want you know want to know or are interested, uh, what did you end up doing last year in terms of revenue? If you don't mind sharing and and the kind of growth that you had.
2: Uh, sure, Our revenue was uh, just under 3.7 million last year in total sales, uh, which was up 14 percent from the prior year. Of 2018.
1: That's fantastic. That's great to hear. Um, And we'll we'll dig into what made you successful in a little bit. But uh, what I always find enjoyable with these conversations is learning people's histories and how they got into this business. So, um, so let's do that a little bit. How did you end up in in the trades?
2: Well, my dad was an electrician, so I grew up uh, in the trades with him, pulling wires from (laughs) the time I could walk. So in the late 70s, my dad and my uncle purchased some sheet metal equipment from a gentleman going out of business. Okay. Uh, my, my dad and his brothers were always very mechanically inclined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my introduction to the trades. And then uh, I went to Votech uh, school for electronics technology. I thought I wanted to be an electrical engineer uh, because my uncle was an electrical engineer, and he seemed to have a pretty good life, so I said I'd be like him. Mm-hmm. So it uh, comes to the time I'm ready to graduate high school, and my dad says, Hey, Tom, why, why don't you go to school for heating and air conditioning, and we could use this sheet metal equipment we purchased, and we'll start a business. Interesting. The rest is history.
1: Ah, I'll be darned. So when did, uh, when did you formally kind of take over the operation?
2: Uh, I formally took over, we started in 1985, Mm -hmm. uh, and I formally took
1: over, I'm going to say around 90, 92. Okay. Very good. And how has the, the business progressed over those, you know, 30 some odd years? Um, has it always been consistent ups and downs? Um, what, what would you say? Uh, There's
2: absolutely been some ups and downs, uh, over the years, uh, Around 1999, we we actually uh, began utilizing the flat rate system. When oh, okay. uh, we started utilizing uh, flat rate, that, that was about the time I realized I had been a technician for all of my career prior to 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I woke up one morning and I said to myself, I seem to be putting an awful lot of time in here with not a lot not a lot to show for it, right. and I realized uh, I was a I was a great technician, but I had no idea how to run a business. Right. And- that was the turning point. Uh, that being introduced to flat rates, uh, changing our pricing structure, uh, that was the beginning of our growth. Okay. At that time, we were five people in the company, so our growth began uh, at that point up to where we
1: are today. Okay, very good. Now, I know, um, just based on our records, I think you joined SGI uh, airtime first and then PSI later uh, in 2015. So uh, maybe talk about what led to that um, you know, how, how, why you ended up joining. So, you know, from 99 to, to 2015, did the business just keep growing and you were looking for maybe some additional direction or were you just working around the clock and, and wanted to find a way maybe to not have to do that? What, what led you to us?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so what led me, I've been a member of other best practice groups over the years and most of them fizzled out. Uh, I've been member for several years and then to find the group either someone purchased the group or, or the, the group just uh, went defunct mm-hmm. uh, and I needed an avenue to grow our people mm-hmm. uh, not so much on the technical side but on the operation side yeah. uh, in an effort to become operationally excellent which will probably always be on that quest <laughs> So that's what led me to SGI and and, uh, why I made the decision to to become a member of SGI.
1: Very good. Very good. Um, You know, for those listening that maybe aren't members, uh, you know, the the next step after joining is uh, executive perspective, um, as I'm sure you went through. Um, So after joining and going through that kind of that week of crash course of the SGI model, what are maybe two or three core things you recognized early on back then that you needed to, to change in your business. Were there any particular things that, that come to mind?
2: Yeah, I'm going to say the biggest thing I realized is we we needed to redefine our culture. Mm-hmm. Our culture had been defined previously just based on what happened—good good decisions, bad decisions, uh, and, and uh, irrelevant decisions—that mm-hmm. formed our culture. And at that point, I realized we really need to focus on uh, what it is that what is it that we believe in, and uh, as a group, come up with uh, our core values. And, and our mission and, uh, and come together as a team and all agree on a common belief system.
1: That's great. How did you come up with that? Did you have a, a team meeting and, and discuss what uh, everyone perceived is valued most about the business or what the business did best? Or how did you come up with uh, your core values? I even saw on your website, uh, researching a little bit yesterday, you have your vision statement on there, which I thought was great. Uh, so how did those things materialize?
2: well we, it was through company meetings uh and i tend to be a little bit of an overanalyzer so uh it took us about 15 months through, through monthly meetings uh working through this with a friend of mine who facilitated he's a he's um marketing and personal development uh, person okay. so he worked with us to facilitating the meetings. And uh, I really liked the way it happened. We, we talked a lot about things that we were doing on a daily basis over the course of these times and told stories. We all started with our own individual story. And for the for our team members, what was it that brought them to the company? And for me, uh, what was it uh, that made me bring the, 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 these uh, team members on board? Uh, and we, we backed into... The values that we were living, in, and we all had to arrive at these conclusions through the process on our own, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it took so long. Sure, uh, we, we determined these are the values that we've been living, uh, and it, it made them that much more real, and, uh, and everyone
1: uh, bought, into, bought into the values that's that they were already living. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Thinking again back, you know, four or five years ago after joining, what are some other things? Maybe are there any operational things that you were like, you know what? That's an area of our business we need to improve upon. Anything comes to mind?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to say in our uh, our uh, installation department, uh Uh, developing kits and developing things that we could systematize so we didn't have to think as much about it to execute. Um, So we started developing more kits. Uh, We put together a a, a price book uh, that was all all in one uh and it's the afi uh price pricing uh model mm-hmm. and also we implemented straightforward pricing uh immediately after executive perspective mm-hmm. and that really simplified the the service process side in terms of pricing mm-hmm. and that was embraced uh very well by all of our team uh and we're still utilizing that to this day
1: that's great how about like um you know, system performance report is that something that you, along with straightforward pricing, and is that something you implemented? You know, and how you uh, run service? Did you did you change anything with that?
2: Uh, we had a model in place that covered uh, the majority of the points that, that SGI covers in a customer service model from a technician's perspective. Uh, I'm sure we tweaked some things and added some things. Um, but it wasn't much of a change from what we were doing, which was another reason uh, our belief system and the way we operated was in direct alignment with the SGI philosophy, That's awesome. which made it that much easier uh, to integrate into the SGI
1: world. Great, great. Um, I know, in, again, in uh, having the benefit of, of uh, talking to some of the coaches you've worked with, that training is something that you... Uh, I would say, are passionate about or you've at least invested some resources in. You have your own training room, correct? Uh, Yes, we're actually...
2: Kicking that up a notch right now. This part of this one of the silver linings we found as a company is with some of this additional time and staff available, we've uh we're expanding uh to a 2,000 square foot training center. So we're about halfway through that project. But yes, uh, I'd say the one thing about our company from day one, I've always been an avid learner, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I've I've developed that in our culture that uh. That we do a tremendous amount of training. We train four days a week uh, technically, we train uh, one day a week on the customer service side mm-hmm. uh, with our entire team. and we've been doing that now formally for uh, a year and a half, uh, and we've been doing it on a smaller scale for our entire entire existence.
1: That's great. So this 2,000 square foot um, facility or, or space is there going to be technical stations in there as well? It sounds like maybe.
2: Yes, there's going to be a large classroom area that'll hold about 40 people. Uh, we've outgrown our uh, our current training room uh we're gonna have a i've got a room that's got all trainer boards in it so it's for the fundamentals training and then we've got a full live uh live fire lab where we've got a modulating condensing boiler we've got a combi uh boiler domestic water maker we've got a geothermal system operational and we have three hvac systems operational to perform live testing adjusting and balancing
1: wow that's great Um, On the communication side, obviously, that's something we focus more on on the SGI side. Uh, What does that training look like weekly? Um, Do you just rotate topics? Is it, uh, you know, are they dictated based upon what you're seeing happening in the field? Or how do you uh, approach that training? Uh, Yeah, Uh,
2: I'll say all of the above. Mm -hmm. But generally, the roadmap is whatever season we're leading into, I want to start about two months earlier and start getting uh, getting our technical sessions in alignment with the season that we're leading into to get everybody on top of their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for a uh, so that'll take four months out of the year, let's say, as we lead into heating and, or lead into the, the cooling season. And then the other times uh, we focus on the fundamentals, even seasoned technicians. I have them uh, focus on the fundamentals, go through the trainer boards. Uh, they end up usually helping some of the other students, helping me facilitate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we do as well is I've limited the class. We do four days a week because I limit the class to five people mm-hmm. so that have a lot of one-on-one and I can really intimately start to understand a person's skill set and, and determine where are their strengths and where are their weaknesses. And, And it allows me to have a good dialogue with them in the smaller class
1: sizes. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, something um, I've also heard uh, Michael Zeller passed along that you uh, have kind of taken uh, onboarding on and uh, have implemented that into your business can you kind of share with uh, with everyone what you're doing for onboarding because it's part of the training process right you got to make sure people are are launched well into your company so what does that look like uh, for you
2: okay sure uh we we had an onboarding process it was it was fairly short um it was something i had developed a powerpoint presentation just to uh communicate the important pieces to someone coming on and, and, and help them understand what it is we're about as a company and and what it is that makes us work and what we expect and what you can expect from the company uh when the SGI model came out for onboarding, I mean, that was awesome. Uh, we, we, uh, immediately took the information we had in ours plugged it into the SGI model and that's the model that we use today we'll be starting onboarding with uh, two technicians we recently hired on Monday as a matter of fact
1: yeah that's exciting I heard about that so uh so let's let's talk about that a little bit so how are you how, how do you manage uh, recruiting and hiring are you uh, are you recruiting you know we talk about doing it all the time is that something that, that you do in your business are you recruiting all the time
2: uh, we're recruiting 90% of the time. We should be. I should be recruiting 100% of the time. Uh, so we utilize Indeed and primarily utilize word of mouth okay. with our tech. Um, we don't do anything in newspaper. Nothing with television with recruiting. Mm-hmm.
1: And and what is your your interview process like? Roughly, uh, is it uh, you know someone calls in they 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 contact you via Indeed, and what what are the next few steps? How many rounds of interviews do you do, for example?
2: Uh, sure. Uh, our interview process uh, would start with uh, us reviewing. Uh, let's say it came from Indeed, it was submitted, or, or if they walked in and, and had an inter- and filled out a application. Uh, at that point, we'll review the application, determine if they have uh, some skill sets or whatnot that we can see from uh, from experience that uh, we want to take this to the next step. At that point, uh, my colleague Barb, who's an office manager here, mm-hmm. uh, Barb would reach out to them, have a uh, initial phone discussion which at the end of that phone discussion the goal would be to determine do I want to set up a face-to-face interview mm-hmm. so at that point she would set up a face-to-face interview she does the initial interview and then she'll report back to me and then if we want to pursue it to the next step then I will call them in uh, have an interview with them uh, if they're technical in nature uh, some t- uh, it'll be at my discretion I'll determine from that second interview if I want to ask to take uh, my technical proficiency exam, yeah. uh, and then at that point, we'll determine uh, collectively. Barb and myself uh, will determine do we want to make an offer to this
1: individual. Very good. Do you um, do you utilize apprentices much? Do you do you hire green people, or do you prefer mostly at least people that have uh, a couple years under their belt? Yeah, uh,
2: we utilize. We have a relationship with the local. High school vocational program, mm-hmm. as well as we have a relationship with the uh, local technical college. Uh, so we work with them closely. Uh, we'll bring on people from those programs. They'll do an internship with us, and at which time we'll determine if we're going to offer them a full time position. Um, and, and that's been very successful for us over uh, the last about five years. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky. be invited to be part of the development team that uh, developed the program at this college. Uh, So it it was really uh, great for me to see inside some of the things I would never consider that the school had to meet certain requirements that I would have never known had not been a part of the the program. But that's been a very rewarding relationship.
1: How did, you know, that's that's really interesting, and I think that's something um, more people should look at. How did you foster that relationship? How did you share that you were interested in helping them. And then, you know, obviously that helps get your foot in the door so you can find qualified and and talented people. So how did you go about doing that?
2: Uh, Well, it started with uh, a gentleman that worked at the college and he, he knew that I was in the HVAC field and he reached out to me uh, early on and asked me if I'd be interested in, uh, in getting involved with the program and helping them develop this program uh and and i saw that as an opportunity for the future to one help structure a good program that would yield uh a resulting resulting technician that had the the fundamental skills necessary build upon once entering the field uh and after that all i had to do was show up it was i was amazed people just don't show up. Mm -hmm. There are many meetings, it was me and one other person (laughs) meetings. But uh, this industry has been very good to me over the last 35 years. And I also saw that as a way of giving back.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Professional Plumbing Group. How many hours in a day do your plumber's waste because you don't have the right part for the job? This problem leads to additional issues and reduced productivity, poor customer satisfaction, and increases your cost per job. Professional Plumbing Group, or PPG, can help you solve all those issues and more. We have everything you need to help your business grow and become more profitable, by allowing you to focus on plumbing, not inventory management. Go to AuthorizedPlumberProgram.com for more information.
1: Welcome back to the show. My conversation with Tom shifts to coaching his team and how it's impacted culture. And we also talk about how he had altered business due to COVID nineteen, but is optimistic that he will have another great year despite it. Let's hear what Tom had to say. Uh, we've talked uh, talked a little training, talked some onboarding, recruiting, um, just kind of rounded out a little bit. So once someone you know is uh, is party organization, you've trained them up. How do you keep people accountable? You know, performance management is something that's been a, a hot topic with us uh, last couple of years. So. Uh, do you rely on on scoreboards so people know how they're performing, or do you do one-on-ones, or, or what do you guys do? Uh, well, we do a little
2: bit of uh, of, uh, of all of those that you just brought up. Uh, we have a daily management essentials report that will come through that tells shows me how the techs are doing on a daily basis. Great. I like to do one-on-one uh, coaching as my that would be my most favorite uh, approach. Uh, we also will address these things in our weekly customer service meeting on Wednesday mornings. Uh, and we'll address any types of issues. A lot of times that will be addressed generically to the whole group. I won't single people out. Uh, if someone needs that one-on-one, then I'll, I'll take that the one-on-one approach mm-hmm. on our installation department. Uh, we're watching our man hours on our jobs. Uh, we're job costing our jobs, looking at our margins uh, and we'll determine uh, it's on a daily basis. Uh, we're, we're managing and we're monitoring and coaching uh where we have results that, that let's say aren't the outcome that we had
1: hoped for uh, we, we coach them through those, those situations that's fantastic great that's great Tom um, you know you mentioned earlier um, you know you had some really good growth last year um, what what maybe in your mind were the big things that helped you know get that big growth in 2019 any can you put your finger on maybe a couple things that you did differently that that's you know created that.
2: Oh, absolutely. It was 100% the work that we had done on our culture and the training uh, that we've invested in our people. And if I had to sum up our culture in one word, I guess it would be training. Mm-hmm. And I, it, uh, so the morale of uh, of our team members, I could see a change. And especially, I'm facilitating these meetings 90% of the time. I'll use uh, some of my... Uh, top technicians to help fill in to keep the curriculum going when when I'm not around but uh, we've we've shown them that we don't just say that training's important we we put our our uh, put that into action by having these training classes every single week and it, it's consistent I believe consistency uh, has been a
0: key uh, to that but culture and training 100 100- percent
1: do you think, um, as a byproduct of getting together that frequently, you being with your team, your team being around each other, that it's also built maybe some additional camaraderie so people enjoy that much more where they work? Do you
0: think that's been part of it? Oh, I absolutely do.
2: And, and, uh, I guess that's what I was alluding to. Me <laughs> being involved in the class, uh, in having that more intimate with five people, uh, there's a lot of one-on-one discussion and a, and a lot of learning that takes place, not just about their skill set, but about the person mm-hmm. and the interactions that I watch happen between the other individuals where somebody will step up to try to help somebody that's struggling out. And uh, I feel like when people feel like they're being supported in that type of a fashion, um, there, there's a much higher level of commitment and engagement.
1: That's wonderful. Um. Just to to change winds here a little bit of the conversation, um, the last couple of months have been really interesting <laughs> across the country um, with the COVID nineteen situation. A lot of countries have been shut down. How did um, how did it change how you've been doing business? Are you uh, communicating with your team you know virtually more? Are you guys still getting together? Um, what have you know? How has it impacted your business?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, It's definitely had a a major impact in uh, the Thursday evening. I got home from work and found out that we were being shut down uh, the next day uh, with quite a surprise. I'm not one that watches much news. I kind of live in a vacuum. I call my life. Uh, (laughs) uh, So uh, it was scary at first. So immediately the next day uh, I met with our leadership team here and we discussed, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to get through this? And, And immediately we thought you know communication is going to be the key right. not just with our our team members but with our customers and with our community so we immediately launched uh, communication and i saw some of the communications taking place with uh, other sgi members throughout the uh, facebook forums uh so i definitely picked up points from those and uh, implemented some of those strategies where we started to communicate via facebook uh, with the, our main message is, hey, we are here, we are open, and we're ready to safely serve you. Uh, and that message, we just continued to repeat for, for, we're still repeating it actually. Sure. Uh, so we, we started a Facebook page, uh, with a team page for our company, oh, wow. uh, team members, and we encouraged everybody, hey, Show let's post some pictures and tell some stories about some of these silver linings we're finding that we didn't realize it seemed like all doom and gloom at first but right. the good things that are kind of come out of this so you know communication in that respect with uh through uh, through uh, Facebook through emailing through uh, outbound calling to our customers um as well as, uh, we did some radio advertisements as well with the same message. Uh, there was no call to action to ask somebody to buy something. Uh, it was strictly to say, Hey, we are here. We're ready to safely serve you.
1: That's great. So yeah, let's, let's chase that a little bit. You talked about marketing. Um, ha- has your call count pretty much stayed fairly consistent? I mean, if you're bringing two texts on them, I'm assuming you, you've got more business than, than you were capable of handling. If you're bringing additional people on, or, or is it been stayed the same or, or, what do you say
2: I would say overall our call, call count is down mm-hmm. uh, about fifteen percent. Okay. It would have been down a lot more had we not been doing the outbound calling, letting the people know that we're prepared, following protocols and ready to safely serve them, making them feel uh, more comfortable and allowing us to come into their home
1: okay. how has um, how you know, how you deliver service? Um, and, and done installs and, and, and gone into people's homes? How has that changed? Or, you know, the, the hot thing that you hear about now is, you know, no contact service calls or virtual service calls. Are you guys doing that? Or are you just taking a, additional safety protocols with, you know, uh, spraying things down, maybe masks, stuff like that? What are you guys doing?
2: Okay, so we're definitely wearing all of our PPA. Uh, they're wearing masks into the homes, wearing rubber gloves, wearing uh, uh, shoe savers or floor savers. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the incoming request, we're explaining all of this to the to the customer. Uh let them know that we want to maintain a social distance, asking them if there's alternative ways to get to their basement via a Vilco door or through a garage. Uh, in, in setting the stage to have that distancing in place when we get there to make it easier mm-hmm. for the technician, right. uh, as well as for collecting uh, payments, we're letting them, encouraging them to use credit card, uh, so that we can take those card um, payments over the phone, right. or the technician doesn't have to have uh, close contact with any of the customers. Right. So, all of those types of things we've been employing on a daily basis on every call. So- in the same. As well.
1: Okay, very good. Um, you mentioned payment, so this is a good, good uh, lead-in. Uh, do you find, is financing becoming a bigger tool for you now that, you know, people are kind of uh, maybe afraid with the economics of everything being a little unstable? Is that been something you guys have been having to, to do more, financing more jobs? <laughs>
2: Uh, I wouldn't say we're financing more. We we always lead with financing, or we haven't always led. But for the last uh, three to five years, uh, we've we've changed to leading with financing. Even on a large repair, uh, we're letting them know that financing is available. Uh, I do believe that this is going to be an issue this coming cooling season, where people are going to be much slower to pull the trigger to to have an installation done. If financing weren't there uh we've partnered with uh dyke and they've been a partner of ours for quite some time and with green sky so we have uh We have a great program that's in effect until the end of May, uh, where there's stimulus money that will come back to the customer. So we're just getting ready to launch that uh, radio commercial this week. We launched it last week with our uh, team in our virtual service meeting. And uh, so we're off and running with that right now. So time will tell how successful that's going to be.
1: Very good. Um, do you find – I mean, I know this has is, this is all just <laughs> happened in the last six or so weeks, but are, are customers um, objecting less, doing less shopping because they just don't want as many people in and out of their house? Is that something you've noticed or, or not so much? Uh could you restate that please? I'm not quite sure. sure like with uh, with you know, system installations of some someone's call you know, calling for a bid, or is there less just bid shopping going on or have you not noticed that as much? I just didn't know with people afraid potentially of having, you know, additional people in and out of their house if they just preferred, hey, you know, you seem like you do business, great, you know, we've looked you up, you seem like a good good company, we'll just go with you, versus trying to shop for two or three other bids with other companies.
2: No, I can't say that I've noticed anything uh, related to that.
1: Okay. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, Just kind of in putting a bow on on the COVID situation, um, are there any one or two other things that you've done that's kind of helped get you through these last handful of weeks? You talked about the marketing. You talked about how the messaging, how you've changed service a bit. Anything else?
2: Uh, no, uh, I'm going to say again, communication was, is absolutely the key. That's immediately the, the one thing that comes to my mind that I think uh, has, uh, has helped to get us through this tough time uh,
1: and, and come out stronger than, than uh, when we went into these times. Good. Okay, very good. What do you, um, what, what do you think the next six months is going to look like? I mean, um, you know, obviously some states are starting to open up. Um, do you think there'll be, you know, um, a lot of business that comes back or do you think people are going to be, uh, slow to, to have you out or, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I tend to be an
2: optimist, so uh, I'm counting on the economy's going to bounce back. I think there's going to be a little bit of a hole that we're going to have to be very proactive at uh, reaching out to our customers and continuing these communications to not allow that hole to, to turn into a, uh, a ditch, which turns into a grave, right?
1: Sure. <laughs> Sure, for sure. are you doing anything differently on the strategy side and, and and trying to get you know through the these next handful of months? Have you got you guys talking as a management team about different things you need to do or is it just monitoring day to day and and pivoting as as you need to?
2: No're we're, we're absolutely talking about this and uh, we've uh, we're we're uh, ramping up our marketing. Uh, we're going to about double our marketing uh, going into this next, uh, six months, mm-hmm. uh, already taken a big step with the uh, partnership with uh, placement SEO. Mm-hmm. We've, we're migrating over to them. So we're making a large investment there to, to get that return and, uh, get our lead count up as well as we're doing, uh, radio, we're doing, uh, some direct mail, mm-hmm. uh, Continuing our outbound calling, but uh, I believe that's going to be the key to help uh, to fill the gap that's going to be there.
1: Sure, good for you. Um, Just in general, do you have any advice to other contractors, other members, about what they need to be doing to to kind of get through these these rough periods?
2: Uh, I've just, as again, I said, I'm, I'm an optimistic person and I really don't watch the news very, very little, very little of it. Uh, I don't listen to what they say. Uh, I, I read, I study, I make a, with my leadership team, we'll make decisions, uh, and we'll execute on those decisions. Sometimes it's ready, aim or ready, uh, fire aim, but <laughs> I believe you got to be doing something, and the universe will give you feedback, and you can correct your course along the way, but take action and and do something. Don't just keep thinking about it uh, and then never executing.
1: That's great. That's great. Well, Tom, I cannot thank you enough for your time, your insight. This was a, a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Have a, a wonderful rest of your day, and if there's anything we can do for you at SGI, you please let us know, okay? Yes, I thank you very much for for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. That's Tom Spall of T.E. Spall & Son. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. Remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast powered by Success Group International.
0: Support for this podcast comes from White Rogers. With over 75 years of expertise in heating and cooling controls, White Rogers is proud to offer a full line of furnace controls, gas valves, cooling and heat pump controls, water heater valves and controls, as well as our leading edge thermostats. For more information, go to climate.emerson.com. The Successful Contractor podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved, 2020.